Welcome back to the 22nd episode of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we don't just seek to capture the highs of the rating gains, but also the lows of the rating losses, the plateaus, the pits of despair. We will help you try to work your way through. Talk to people each week who have great ideas of how they work their way through their their, uh, pits and how they reach their rating gains. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Terry King and Andrew Perry for their continued queen level support. Thanks so much. Also, if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you know, that'd be great too. And if you hate the show, you can just email me directly. It's cool. You don't have to leave it there. All right. Well, this week I'm bringing Zach. Uh, Zach is an interesting fellow. He's a young man who has been playing a lot of card games until recently. He switched over to chess. So Zach, how you doing? And have you played any chess today? Hey Kevin, I'm uh, I'm doing good, and I have played some chess today. Um, oh, actually, played, nice. I play a bunch of chess in the mornings, actually. Oh, nice! So your mornings are like your main chess time. Yeah, so I work second shift um, for my job, and so um, basically, I'll just wake up at you know around eight o'clock and and try to get some study in um, before I go to work. Very nice. So let's hear a little bit about your life, just so that our fellow improvers know exactly what's looking like in your life. Are you married? Do you have children? It does sound like you have a job. What is your life looking like these days? Definitely have a job. Definitely not married. Uh, I do have a really cool partner. Uh, we've dated for about seven years now. Um, mm-hmm. She's awesome. Really supportive. Uh, we have a small dog um, who hopefully we don't hear throughout the, the process of this recording. Um, but yeah, we uh, let's see. So I'm I think I'm kind of like the archetypal uh, like high school chess player in a lot of ways. I love like Dungeons and Dragons, love these card games, discovered chess because it was just like what my friends played. My dad taught me when I was about eight. Um, And I didn't really think too much of it. It was just like a game we played like backgammon or sorry or trouble. Um, But in about middle school, my best friend at the time um, told me that they played chess in the library. Um, And I thought that that was like where the cool people or the coolest people that I could associate (laughs) with um, would be. And so I I started playing, obviously got crushed, um, but had a blast. Um, And then in high school, um, my same friend was like, hey, um, remember those people who kicked our butts um, in middle school? They are in high school now. They're on the chess team and they wanted to know if we wanted to join. Um, and so that was really exciting to me. And I think that was like the first time that like, I really cared. Um, because like when I was playing before, it was like, oh yeah, I like I won or I lost and like, I'll just go to study hall no matter what afterwards. Um, but in high school, there was like a hierarchy, right? Like you had the, the boards. And so as a, as a freshman, I was like, wow, board one, that's so cool. I want to be board one. And so I studied so seriously, which serious study for like a high schooler is like yeah i watched a youtube video in between playing call of duty um oh that is <laughs> but like no i mean like I, I i read a couple books um i did the like very cliche bobby Fe- bobby fisher teaches chess did those puzzles um and i i got to first board my senior year which was really exciting and that um, made you the coolest kid in the school right Honestly, it, it kind of gave me a little cachet, you know, nice. so we had, like school announcements. And so they would like say how all the sports teams did. And so like they would they would also mention the chess team. And like my senior year, I think I went like like 21 and like four or something like that. And so like every most weeks they would say like, you know, and on board one, Zach Kramer won. And Ooh, that was cool. cool. Um, but like I, I actually found a couple of my old score sheets and um I'm not so proud of them. I don't, don't want to give any, any listeners, any sort of like delusions that I was, I was excellent. There were, there were a lot of times where I just got a, got a crucial night fork because my opponent made a mistake in the opening and just kind of carried that. Not a lot of, not a lot of tactical brilliances. So. Okay. Interesting stuff there. Did you play like USCF rated tournaments at all during that period? <laughs> so I played, I played one tournament um, because the first board when I was a, freshman um was like hey i'm going to this tournament like do you want to come i was like absolutely yeah no that sounds super fun and i got i got slaughtered man i just got (laughs) absolutely obliterated i think i maybe won one game and lost like six like it was it was really bad my first uscf rating was like 300 or something like it was it was very bad yeah Um, which which is funny about those ratings because like 
I had the same experience of getting slaughtered, but I got slaughtered by 1500s. So my first rating was 1100. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm and mine was way worse than that. That just happened to be the people that slaughtered me. So <laughs> kind of funny how that works. Um, all right. So you get all the way to the first board. You're dominating as the first board. This is fascinating to me. Is this like some closed ranks? Like you're just going up against other high schools where they too aren't playing in USCF tournaments. Cause like, it's kind of a disconnect for me to hear that like there's all these people taking chess so seriously, but then not playing in rated tournaments. So how does that work? How do you get so many people to take it so seriously and then not play in tournaments? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. It was like a closed, it definitely closed. So there were like, I think maybe nine or 10 schools in our like public school division. And so, yeah, like every, every Tuesday we would either host uh, an event or we would Get, all get in the van and, and drive to an event. I think all the schools were maybe within like a 45 minute radius or something like that. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't like a massive field trip or anything like that, but it was, it was fun, you know, like a lot of camaraderie, like talking about like, you know, what you're going to play. Uh, we all played E4 and then we all played Knight F3. So not a <laughs> super substantive discussion, but like, you mm -hmm. know, we talked about what we were playing. We talked about like what was going on, built a lot of friendship that sort of thing this, this sounds like the greatest experience i could imagine it's like <laughs> you don't have the pressure of like ratings and parents yeah. you're just kids having fun playing chess together this, this just this seems like you made up this story it's so amazing well yeah it was a good thing that came out of high school right so like yeah there was there was one good thing <laughs> what uh what city was this in uh so this was in lancaster pennsylvania so huh, okay. um, yeah like maybe hour and a half from like Allentown, Philadelphia area, kind of like mm -hmm. suburby. All right. Well, that, that sounds amazing. So your, yeah. your origin story sounds like a fun one. You're a <laughs> USCF rated 300 player crushing board <laughs> one for your high school. So we really have no idea how good you are. You're obviously not 300. Um, <laughs> so I imagine the story ends with then high school ended I trained really hard and I'm uh, competing for the world championship soon. Yeah, actually, um, I'm <laughs> Nepo's second, like didn't, don't want to spread it around or anything like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, team. <laughs> no, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, I'm probably fortunately, um, the summer before I went to college, I found out about Magic the Gathering. Um, which was also a game that my best friend from high school introduced me to. Um, but I realized that there were tournaments for magic. And so like outside of just like going to Friday night magic, right? Like the, the like casual at the local game store experience, there were like tournaments. And I thought that was super cool. And so I didn't really spend as much time playing chess because this beautiful tournament circuit that like exists in uh, fairy tale land um, stops once you graduate. So there weren't any really tournaments and I knew I didn't want to go to the, you know, um, the cage fighting arena that is a USCF tournament. So instead I decided to travel to like some convention centers and play some magic. And that was, that was really fun. That was really enjoyable. Um, I got to beat some people who are, who I knew were very good because magic is a game of variance. Um, and I got to lose to some people who weren't so good because magic is a game of variance. And I, that was a fun little addition to mm -hmm. sort of the the component of chess where if i if i did something and i made a mistake that was that was all on me that wasn't because i you know made a mistake playing the game or or got unlucky or something like that um and so that that also sort of took some of the pressure off um and so obviously when i'm having fun with a game that takes a lot of the pressure off the only natural conclusion is to take it incredibly seriously and try to become a professional magic player um removing all of that like you know um fanfare and, and joy from the process. So um, when I got out of college, I, I took a job and I didn't like that job. That job super burnt me out. Um, and so I decided to take, take a crack at being a professional magic player for a year, which was really exciting and very fun. That is fun. What, what was your format of choice? Uh, so I played everything. I had I had a legacy deck. Uh, I, I had somebody who I could borrow cards from vintage or to play vintage. I loved modern. Uh, I would play standard if people made me. Um, draft is cool. Um, yeah, I, I played it all. I, I played um, 50 out of the 52 weeks of the year. Um, I put 42,000 miles on my car. Um, wow, that is professional. Yeah. 
nice. And how did it go? How did it, how did it go being impressed? Let's 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 first talk results wise, right? Because sure. that that's just yeah. where you start. Mm-hmm. So how to go? Uh, did you do pretty well? Great. Like how how to how to work out? Um, I was a certified amateur. I think like if you talk about the people who actually played magic for a living, uh, those people are much better than me. Um, and it showed. I played them a couple times, you know, on those top tables. Um, and sometimes I get better of them. But again, magic's a game of variance. Um, they mm. were better than me. Um, but at the local level or like the regional level, um, I was definitely somebody that people knew. I was definitely somebody who like won a lot. Um, and that's mostly how you make your money when you're not as good as pros and mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, you have to <laughs> put food on the table or um, pay for a hotel room or don't have a couch to surf on. You got to you got to beat some some other amateurs or pay for the cards, because unlike right. chess, new yeah. cards come out all the time that you can use. Yeah. No, absolutely. Unlike unlike chess, there is definitely a sort of some money that you have to put into sort of maintaining uh, your competitive advantage. Unlike chess, where you can yeah. you can just study great games and people who are better than you. It's um, interesting. For yeah, my, it was- my, I, uh, I also played card games for a long time, never professional level. I tried a little bit. Um, I don't know if you remember the, the online card game Soul Forge. It was like Forge, competing yeah. with Hearthstone when they came out. Mm-hmm. And I was there like. I was the streamer for that game and I actually got a Twitch partnership and everything through it. The problem with Soulforge was small enough that like being the the giant streamer for that game meant like 300 people a stream, which meant yeah. like I don't know, like $500 for that year in which I worked like 8 million hours streaming and I was like, I'm not sure this is tenable long term or short term or ever. And the whole time my wife was like, "What are you doing?" and I was like, I don't know. Maybe this will work. So, uh, spoiler, it did not work. Um, but yeah, I, I also uh, really, in, I really enjoyed uh, how that works with card games. That sort of, I, I don't know, I don't know quite what it was, but like, for instance, I played the Game of Thrones card game mm-hmm. and um, my friend was the world champion and we played every day for like two months. And now I'm like one of the top 10 players in the game. Wow. And it's just like that would that just can't happen in chess, right? Like right. the amount of skill required to be good at chess is just so much more than at least most of the card games I played. Like you had to play those skills really well to be able to be good, but it was a smaller subset of skills that I was learning, or at least that's how it felt. Any thoughts on that when you compare sort of like other games to chess? Do you agree with that, that it feels like chess just has these buckets and buckets of skills where you're constantly learning new stuff. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think like each card game or like really like even board games, right? Like non-chess games, there's like a critical component that you have to understand in order to sort of level up. Um, And I think sometimes there's some carryover, right? Like people always love to talk about like, oh, well, if you play this game, you'll probably be good at that game. Um, But nobody says like, oh yeah, if you play like this game, you probably be good at chess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's just so many other things that you have to know when you're playing chess, um, which is why people, I think, keep coming back to it, because I'm sure when you were playing the Game of Thrones game, right, like you're like, yeah, I kind of I kind of get this. Like, I kind of understand. Right. I've hit this sort of threshold and there's not really anything else I I need to learn. I just kind of have to improve these microtransactional skills. Chess, you know. I'm sure that Magnus and Nepo right now, right? Like they're sitting, they're preparing and they're learning new things about chess. And that's like, that's incredible to think about. Um, And I think it's a big reason why I've, I've just sort of keep coming back um, to chess. Mm -hmm. I think the other big difference is there's so many different phases of a chess game that you need to have mastery of, or you can just like erase all of your positives, right? Like, you can be the greatest openings player ever, but if that's all you're good at, it doesn't matter that you're beating, you know, one of the top players in the world coming out of the opening. If you don't know the next phase and then, and then you're like, no, no, but I got the middle game down now. It's like, but I suck at end games. You're like, then you're still going to lose all your games. And it's so weird compared. That's been the hardest thing for me with card games where it's just kind of like, I learned the mechanic of the game and the flow really well. And like you said, so much carryover. Once I learned one card game, it was like I could jump into these card games, you know, non-magic card games where the player pool is small and immediately be like a top three player in the game. And it was just like, I just sort of took that for granted that that's how it worked. 
And then right. coming back to chess, I was like, yeah, when I used to play, I gained 700 rating points in a year and a half. Boom. It'll be, it's just like card games. And then now I'm like, Hey, uh, rating points, where are you at? Like, uh, you're, you know, you're not coming. I, I really thought I'd be like 2000 by now and I have not moved an inch. So yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating, uh, game and sort of difference between card games and chess. You're right. I've never heard anyone be like, you're good at Scrabble. I bet you'd be good at chess. <laughs> exactly. I don't yeah. hear that. Just don't hear that very often. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, you're, you're back to playing chess. When did you come back? So, yeah, I came back maybe about a month before the Queen's Gambit. And the only reason I, I bring that up is just because I remembered like playing a game and being like, oh, that's so cool that they're like dramatizing chess, just like searching for Bobby Fischer. Yeah, um, yeah I like I think I made the right choice, like coming back to chess. Um, and that I mean, that was that was so great, like watching that show um, and being able to just sort of like play games and like just like as as you get this sort of like melodramatic love of chess from that series i'm also sort of rediscovering all of those like good positive feelings that i had in the past and so it was like you know it was really hard to sort of um leave after after all of that stuff you know it's just mm-hmm. a lot of, too many good feelings to to really depart again were you um, sort of remembering yourself back on board one and you're like <laughs> i am beth Harmon, and like doing you know, having especially these- like at the beginning right like when she's yeah. in like the the gymnasium and she's mm-hmm. like playing i was like i remember that i remember <laughs> what's going on yeah um, but then like i think the time that i like probably most empathized is like the first time that she's playing benny um when mm. they're playing blitz and he just keeps taking her money that yeah. was also a feeling that i'm i'm pretty familiar with so um <laughs> yeah i think sometimes you know if i'm playing card game maybe i'm benny but playing chess mm-hmm. definitely beth in that moment so yeah the great show lots of great moments a lot of good nostalgia yeah it's, it's also one of the hard things just to make that connection one more time of like will you ever be benny in chess right it's it's what i struggle with is like will i ever even be any good at this game like i've always made podcasts for the games i loved but i mm-hmm. always made them as like high level strategy shows right like i'll give you the tips from the mouth of one of the best players and i was like how will i ever make a chess podcast it'd be like who wants to hear what this random chump thinks (laughs) um so thankfully i found a show uh where a random chump interviews a lot of other people who have advice so i I don't have to be the expert so that's good because i am not an expert unfortunately as much as i would love to be and as much as time as i put in Zach, how much time are you putting in? What, what is this looking like? So you were a professional uh, card game player. I'm guessing you are not a professional chess player. Because it yeah, sounds like you no, have a career here. No yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I work as an area coordinator at a college. Um, and so basically I'm, I'm in the buildings from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. on the weekdays and, and 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the weekends. Um, and so that is very inconvenient to managing a social life. Um, but it's very, very convenient um, to playing chess in the mornings. And so um, as long as I get, you know, my sort of chores, my house maintenance, taking good care of the dog, I try to put as much time as, as I'm sort of able to devote to, to chess since I, since I moved here. Um, Is that like two hours a day or one hour a day? What are we looking at? Um, So I definitely am putting in one hour a day, like even on the, on the busy days, but I, I would say like, you know, certain days. So Mondays, I don't work at all. And so I would say Monday, like, I know that I'm just going to be able to do stuff in the evening. Um, and I, I try to really, I mean, I put maybe five, five hours in yesterday, um, nice. recording on a Tuesday, um, <laughs> which is so Monday, but yeah, I think, um, I, I really try to like push that, push that limit. Um, as long as I feel like I'm doing good work. Um, and nice. so sometimes if I put five hours in on Monday, I just do my sort of maintenance stuff on Tuesday and not mm-hmm. a lot of chess. Um, but well, yeah, I would say good work. You mean like passively watching bullet <laughs> videos, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> mostly, uh, yeah, just, mm. just, um, pre-moving the entire mm. game. Nice. Um, but yeah, no. Um, Doing that over the board is awesome too in, <laughs> in classical games. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do try. And I think that's some of the good work that I do is I try and find a training partner on Mondays to play play a 30-0 game. That's like probably the big um, thing that I like build, build my time in for, or like try to like study and focus really hard on Mm -hmm. um, doing that. But also um, 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm also a chessable addict. And so, mm. um, you know, gamification, great, big fan of that. Also like tons of content that promises that I'm going to gain all those rating points that, you know, we believe that we will just obtain. Um, yeah, they, they've definitely, they've got me sort of in their clutches. Um, and nice. so a lot of the time when I'm working, it's in front of my computer screen on chessable. And what's your streak? Uh, so very disappointing. I had, I had like a hundred something days and then mm. I went to a wedding and oh. the time zones changed. Oh no. And I thought that when I was getting back to the house, uh, it was, it was 11 o'clock and I could have kept my streak, but mm. it was actually 12 o'clock and I lost my streak. So, yeah. I'm, I'm back to, I'm back to 21 days. Um, but for some reason, like every time I hit that like hundred day mark, something mm. happens and I, and yeah. I drop yeah, I've had two like that that were pretty long. I, I don't remember exactly how long they were, but they, they got lost. And just recently I had built back up to like 25 and I might be at zero today um, because I lost my streak. I, and then so once I lose my streak, then I just use Chessable how I want to. Right. And so like yesterday I spent a half hour on Chessable with this Queen's Gambit decline course, but I didn't actually do like learn i didn't click learn the moves or anything i just mm-hmm. worked with the course to build a repertoire on lead chess um yeah. and then i realized like wait a second i don't think it registered any of that so i am pretty mm-hmm. sure my streak is zero which is kind of sad um i i enjoy my chessable streaks but oh oh well <laughs> yeah what all do you do on chessable do you just do opening work or do you do stuff like tactics or end games or read books on there yeah, so um, I I try really hard not to do openings on Chessable. Um, so Ooh, normally nice. when I'm like working on Chessable, I'm I'm going through um, some kind of like practical end games work. I tried to do 100 ga- end games, you must know, um, and I just don't think I'm there yet. Um, but you know, Kostya's end game studies book, oh, absolutely yeah. fantastic, 100% recommend. Um, I really like um, the uh, Chess Structures book. I come back to that a lot when I'm like reviewing my games or going over something like that. Um, and then my, like my chess plan, uh, recently has just sort of been, um, this sort of six week model. So I try and take one thing for six weeks and try and really concretely improve that. Um, so, which is also sort of an idea that was espoused by Kostya. Um, Mm -hmm. and so right now I'm, I'm spending, a reasonable amount of my day on the visualize series, um, which I would definitely recommend for somebody who's like hmm. trying to like focus on like seeing the board and getting a better idea of like sort of what the new position is going to be after you try your old position. And so stuff like that um, and some of the calculation books on there. Um, that's that's what I've been spending most of my time on the last couple of months. Interesting. I don't think I've heard of the visualize series. That sounds great. What are the calculation books that you recommend on there? Um, so I really like... I'm trying to remember what the name is. There's a, I think it's called Calculation, a, a Club Player's Guide. Um, basically, he breaks down the way that you should sort of process your decision making in hard positions to sort of get a feel for the texture of the position, what things you should be thinking about, and sort of what are the critical components of of that middle game or that tactical position. Um, and that was really helpful in sort of helping me structure, uh, particularly in classical games like what I should be thinking about. It's not particularly useful for something like Blitz or Rapid, where you're, um, you know, really tanking on a position or really thinking about something, and that amounts to all 45 seconds. Um, But like for a classical game, when you you give yourself, you know, five, six, 10 minutes to think about a position, you really ground yourself in it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that was something that I was really struggling with before I had read the book. Um, And sort of those steps were really helpful for me in being able to sort of feel at least like I thought I knew what I was doing. Maybe I didn't make the right moves, but I feel like I had the right ideas in those positions. Mm -hmm. You had some sort of process at least that you were going through. Right. Yeah. That's great. So what are the, you said you're breaking them into six week chunks. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually let's take one step back real quick. Sure. Yeah. What is your rating by whatever (laughs) metric you choose to rate yourself? Just so our audience has an idea of what we're working with here. Yeah. So um, can I, I'll, I'll give, uh, maybe three for context. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I am 1100 uh, online USCF rapid. Okay. I am uh, 17, 1700 is about my peak on chess.com rapid. Um, mm. And I'm about 2000 to 1900, depending on whether it's classical uh, Lee chess or classical 
uh, or uh, Lee Chess Rapid. So okay. those are sort of the three the three ranges that I have. It sounds like the 1700 and the 2000 are pretty similar based on what I've read right. about rating inflation. Mm-hmm. What's going on with this USCF rating? Do you just choke? Do you have you not played oh. many games? What's going on there? Yeah. So um, a couple of things, right? Um, first of all, I, I haven't touched my USCF rating. Um, noticing a theme yet. Um, haven't touched my USCF rating since maybe July. Um, okay. So I went I went through a move um, and I just sort of didn't don't have time to play their evening uh, rapid events anymore because I work in the evenings. Um, I don't think my boss would love it too much if I was just like sort of playing chess while I was supposed to be on call. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other thing is there is like a real pressure um, when something real and tangible feels on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm just playing, um, particularly classics, like the, the, the nerves are there, but you have some sort of time to be like, okay, like let's practice some like, you know, breathing, find my center, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in a 10 minute rapid game, if you, if you're spending time on that, then you have to like go back, reacclimate on the board. You're just going to flag. Um, and then I think the third thing is when you have people who are online, and they're playing very seriously. They're probably playing as much, if not more, than I am. And they might have even been doing it for longer. And so a lot of those tournaments, I would be, you know, 1600 and I would be playing my, my five round daily against a 1700, an 1800, 1900, maybe a 2000. Um, and, you know, I'll play an 1100 and I'll probably beat them. Um, but then if my rating is one in four every week or something like mm. that, that's not, not too good for the rating. Um, so yeah, I would say that's maybe maybe the big, the big lag, but I also think a lot of it comes down to nerves, um, which is yeah. one of the reasons why I really like two D chests instead of three D chess. There's a lot yeah. of a lot of nerves that I haven't haven't really had time to hone because of the pandemic. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it does sound like there's a couple of things. If it, if July was your last tournament and you're doing like 10, 15 hours a week or something, it would make sense that you're just better than you were in July um also yeah psychology is such a huge part of chess it's so easy to underrate it right it's like nothing's different man it's all the pieces are the same and they move the same and you're like no something real is on the line here and you're like no it's not it's still just a regular old rating and you're like no it's important and it just yeah (laughs) i hear you like it's, it's tough to just remind yourself that like it's just a rating it's just a rating but if it's just a rating, then what are we doing, right? Because that's right. that's all we really have to uh, to rate ourselves. That that's what I love so much about the Chess.com puzzle rating, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the only other part of my game that I can be like, well, uh, here's a here's a part of my game that's actually being ranked. <laughs> It'd be so cool if there was like the end game rating, the middle mm-hmm. game strategy rating, and you could be like, okay, yes, my rapid rating is eleven hundred, but look. I have yep. these other ratings that I'm better at. And my end game rating is 100. And yes, that's why I lose a lot of games, but mm-hmm. at least I know. And I think that's like part of the reason why I like this six week method a lot, because like mm-hmm. for a really long time, I was like in this like 1500 to 1600 gulch. Right. And I just like wouldn't mm-hmm. leave. And I would be like, I'm studying, like I'm reading the use of books. I'm like doing this stuff. And like, I'm studying everything. I know that everything is a problem in my game. I know that like everything could stand to be better. And, you know, at the end of like one month, it was like, oh, my rating is the exact same. And I don't feel like I'm any better. And Uh so what I've liked about this six, six week thing is I know that after six weeks, I'm going to be better at visualization because I did that Mm -hmm. for six weeks. And like, that's going to show up in my games. I'm going to see that. And maybe I'm still going to lose because I hang a tactic or, you know, I, I, I mess up an end game, but I'm going to know that like, that was something that I got better at. And if I'm slowly accruing all of those little things, that's going to like sort of one add to my confidence. So I know that like, even if I lost, I like did this one thing better and two, like, maybe at some point my rating will actually go up because I'm, I'm doing all these little things a little bit better. Yeah. I love that approach. So let's, let's walk through some of the blocks you've done. What was the first six week block that you did? So the first six week block I did um, was I went through the two Yusupov books that were on Chessable. Um, and mm, so- are those orange books? Yep. The orange. Yeah. Orange book one and orange book two. Okay. Um, so I did, I did both of those, um, which was, a lot of, a lot of time. And I'm not putting that much time in my current six week thing. Um, But from doing that, I I realized like, you know, Yusupov kind of makes you a little bit better at everything. 
Yeah. And I was like, well, philosophically, this isn't really what I'm going for. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just spending six weeks doing, doing a chessable course, which was useful to, to go through, get the mm. little course complete icon at the end of everything. Ooh, yeah. um, but it, it wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And so from there, I went through tactics and I said, you know what, I'm going to spend six weeks on tactics. I'm going to go through the woodpecker method. I'm going to like work on those. I'm going to, you know, revive my chess.com tactics rating. I'm going to work on that. And then I'm going to go through another great chessable course is the thematic tactics um, courses. Hmm. And so basically uh, I think it's Dirk Sebastian writes them. He has um, books that are devoted to tactics that emerge within one specific opening. And conveniently uh, most of the openings that I play are in the thematic tactic section. So as black against D4, I try to get the Benko Gambit as much as possible. He has a he has a Benko Gambit course. Uh, as black against E4, I play the Karokan. He's got a Karokan tactics course. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. We gotta stop for a second. <laughs> how how much has that helped in your Karokan games? Do you see tactics that you learn in that course, or is it just kind of like you feel like it's in the back of your mind and it must be helping? So it's, it's sort of twofold. On one hand, yes, there are definitely things where I go, oh yeah, right. When I'm playing the Karakon, like I should look at the C file because the C file is going to have some tactics, right? There's, it's normally going to be weak. There's like a way that I can sort of like use my Rook on the seven semi-open file to get some kind of advantage, right? Or like, here's a location where, where my Knight makes a lot of sense to be. Um, and so you get an idea of like, my piece might not be involved in a tactical combination, but in all these combinations, it starts with my knight being here or my bishop being here. Um, and that make, helps me understand, like, that's probably where the piece belongs, right? Um, and then the other side is um, he does tactics for both sides, so for white and black. And so that helps me understand, oh, yeah, so white is often trying to do this. Or if I'm not paying attention to this part of the board or this square or this combination of pieces, I'm probably going to lose to this tactic. And so the defensive components of the tactic is, are also really useful in sort of unpacking those openings. Hmm. Well, excuse me while I go purchase this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, well, I'll definitely have to give it a look. Is there a lot of text in it or is it mostly just tactical problems? Um, so what he'll do is he'll, he'll show you the whole game He'll attach the whole game to the puzzle so you can go back and see sort of how the game comes about. But normally it'll just be a line or two and be like, this tactic works for this reason. Um, and sometimes he'll attach like sort of a supplementary line, right? Because the first thing you know when you're supposed to be studying tactics seriously is you have to write out the whole combination, right? You can't just yeah. like miss a move. Um, even as much as I want to get my like plus 30 experience points on chess, <laughs> I have to, I have to yeah. push myself to, to write out the whole thing. And so sometimes he'll he'll do you a favor and say, yeah, you, you did look through the whole line. Here's the line. You get this one too, right? Um, nice. So that's, that's kind of helpful. And then um, some of them also have um, sort of a reference chapter in the back where you can go through all of the games. Um, and if you have um, Chessable Premium, you can actually sort of go through like the openings explorer and you can mm -hmm. find those positions um, later in the game. So awesome. that's well, okay. So that was, that was block number two, the mm -hmm. tactics block. Yep. Uh, is block number three, the current visualization block, or is there another one in between? So, so block three was the, was the calculation. So I went through the calculation okay. book um, to just sort of like refine that process and I would say maybe three weeks into that process, I realized, yeah, I'm doing a great job calculating. I understand what's going on. But mm -hmm. at this point, my like brain gets a little bit foggy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so like they kind of fed into each other, right? Like the Yusupov series was like, yeah, I'm like fine at everything, right? Like I got a little bit of a boost, but I struggled a lot with his tactics chapters. And so I've mm -hmm. sort of built that into going to tactics. And from tactics, I realized that the most important thing for a tactic is to be able to see those tactics from a distance to try and create them, right? Calculation. And so from the calculation, I realized, wow, like maybe three moves out, everything's a little foggy. I don't really see it. Like I understand that these pieces are supposed to be moving. I'm figuring out these plans, but a lot of times I just don't see that like in those three moves, a pawn covered that file or, you know, a piece interposes and I can't, I can't do the thing that I want to do. So now I've, the fourth time has been this visualization section where I'm really working on trying to see further and further and get a clear picture of what the board is so I can perform those tactics or I can, I can accurately calculate. Nice. And then once you're a visualization <laughs> master, mm -hmm. what's the next one going to be? Have you worked it out yet or do you kind of wait yeah. to figure it out? So I think 
the the next sort of six week chunk is I'm, I'm really going to try and dig into some uh some master games um yeah. that are sort of in the structures that i like to play or or um people whose style um sort of aligns with my style um because i think if i am I, I don't really like to focus on openings, um, but I do really like to focus on sort of plans and key ideas in like similar structures. And so I'm, I think the biggest barrier is I just don't want to put the time into, into going through that process for the longest time. And now I think I kind of have to do that at some point. I have to get mm. some chess culture, as people like to say, right? Understand sort of the history and what people were doing and um, use that to maybe cultivate some new ideas. So when I'm calculating and coming up with tactics, I, I have a bigger sort of bank of positions. So I think, yeah. I think that's the next six weeks. That's what I, I just, I've been doing something similar. I took a month and really went through master games. And, and that's, that was my reasoning. My, I had a coach and someone else tell me like, Hey, you know, like your 2,500 puzzle rating, that's great. <laughs> but your candidate move selection is worse than that. Right. And like, just because you can calculate decently well, if you're calculating garbage moves that that doesn't actually do anything for you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like that approach of trying to give yourself a bigger pool of ideas of candidate moves. And I wonder if the, if the unit after that for you should be like evaluation. Uh, mm. I feel like that's a, a thing I need to really focus on is like, okay, now that I can calculate, now that I can get a bunch of pool of moves, how do, am I accurately evaluating the positions that I'm calculating? And it turns out I'm not, right? right. Like that, that's a real weakness of mine. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, is that something I can fix by just studying evaluation or do I just need to be better at chess to evaluate better? And so that's mm. kind of like the, the rub there. I'm not really sure what the answer is. And so I'm wondering if I just dive into evaluation a bit, if I'll be able to improve that or, or not. So. Yeah, I, I definitely think like, and that's like evaluation, I think is like one of the like secret chess skills um, that like, because mm -hmm. everybody um, that I hear at some point goes, you have to analyze your games, you have to go through the process, you have to, you know, you have to figure out how you're like going to like fix these mistakes, these things that are ingrained in your game. And there's no way that you're ever going to be able to do that if you aren't able to look at a position that looks comfortable and familiar with you. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is where I like naturally I want to be. And you turn on the engine, it's like, you know, minus seven. Yeah, you're like, exactly. oh, whoops. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that's definitely important. And I think, I mean, if you're doing some calculation work, a lot of times when you've sort of finished the calculation sequence, they ask for an evaluation. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I definitely think I could get better at that. But even just saying like plus minus equals, right? Like yeah. white, white is a little better. White is comically losing. White is even, um, is like something that's been helpful for me. Yeah, the, the book that I really love is The Best Move. It's hard, but it does that. It gives you like yeah. a, a situation then it says, you know, is black better equals or or losing, right? And you're like, wow, that is a wide range here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a tricky position, right? And then sometimes yeah. it'll give you three moves and be like, which of these these three moves leads to the best scenario? Yeah. So I, don't, I, I really enjoyed that book. It's real hard. I generally stare at a, at a position for about 15 minutes and get it wrong. Okay, Zach, I'm going to admit this here live on the air. I set up a position the other day and I went through it and I, I was like, this position is really hard and I almost got it. And I was, I was pretty proud I almost got it. And then I went to go give myself the zero. I put it in the corner and I realized I had already tried to solve that problem. It was the last one I did. I didn't mm. recognize it. I still didn't get it right. And it had a little zero faintly written. I had written it so faintly. I didn't realize I had already done it. So I had to add another little zero. Man, that was, that was a really bad moment. I was like, boy, I'm bad at this chess thing, but getting better. What's getting the better. author of that book? Uh, the author is Hort uh, and Yansa. Okay. So I, I really, really recommend that book. It is hard, though. Um, sure. I've had people tell me it's too hard for me. And they're not wrong. But to me, it's also just the process of really wrestling with a position is good. Like, even if I miss it. And then, and then when I do get it, I'm like, yes, right. I did it. And then there was one, I got it in like one minute. And I was like, no, I'm missing something. And I kept going. 
like 10 minutes and finally look at the answer and they were like we decided to sneak an easy one in there and i was like oh okay interesting <laughs> the real dagger is that they called it an easy one right i don't know right right they specifically did like if you had missed that one you'd be like oh man i gotta i gotta just not do this book <laughs> okay so you've given us a whole bunch of uh great books on chessable and other things are there any other books that that we've missed here that that we that you're recommending hmm i mean I, I'm definitely, I'm a, I'm a follower of, of the, of the talkers in the chess community. Um, and mm, so okay. if you've, if somebody has recommended it on the perpetual chess podcast, if okay. the chess dojo has recommended it, um, I've, I've probably read an Amazon review or two on it and maybe even mm. bought the course. Um, I would say like the things that people say are good are, are probably good. Um, yeah. you know, okay. if you're, if you want to pick up, uh, the, the Yasser series on like winning chess, that's mm-hmm. great. You want to pick up simple chess. I think that was very good um, for people at my level. I think it is tough because um, when you're finding like a middle ground, I think there's a lot of really great books for, for folks who are just starting out. And I think there are a lot of great books for people who can properly evaluate positions, um, mm-hmm. which is not me. Um, but I think finding that like that, those kind of books that are going to bring you from that like 1600 on to like 2000 level there's there's not a lot of those and so i would say like maybe the only ones that i've missed that i haven't said are probably those yasser books uh simple chess and then i also really like uh alex yermolinsky's uh road to chess improvement that's Hmm. uh, that's one that i think is is really good as well okay yeah i would i would agree with that i i feel like it's so easy to recommend like yasser's book and a bunch of other books to people (laughs) who are starting it's like look you can learn about pins and forks it's great yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that 1600 to 2000, it feels like a lot of the recommendations are like, this book is amazing. If you're over 2000, I'm like, yeah, I, I, let's get me to 2000. Come on guys. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess the one thing that I'm missing maybe is the Silman books. The Silman books are probably really good in that, that area. And then for yeah. yes, or like, yeah, right. Like winning chess openings and winning chess tactics, like that's a thousand level, but winning chess combinations is like, is a challenging book, I think at 1600. Mm. Okay. Um, and maybe one. one of the ones in that series that I think is actually maybe worth paying attention to um, if you're like above 1500 and winning chess strategy, I think is just a good primer for people who say, I know how to do tactics, but I don't really know what a position is supposed to be about. Because I think that's one thing that Yasser style um, really mm-hmm. taught me is like, you know, he has all these examples about like, yeah, I spent like 10 Tempe getting this this thing and it was right you know it was it was the right thing to do and like just to give you the confidence to be like if you think that that's the right move like you can spend as much time as you want on it you can spend as many moves as you want because if that's the right goal then you're going to win the game and if you're wrong you're you're going to figure it out really quick because you just wasted six or seven tempi doing nothing (laughs) i i watched a really good uh video with andres toth last night where he was talking about the big plans and end games and like Mm -hmm especially once you get into an end game, you can do that more. We can just be like, I want my knight on that square. And yep. if it's a closed position end game, you can probably take 10 moves to get your knight there while they just <laughs> shuffle their bishop back and forth because they can't make any progress. Right. So yeah, it's kind of fascinating and just so counterintuitive to all the other advice you get in chess, right? Where it's like, it's all about quick development and tempo. And you're like, okay. And then, then you get to the end game and you have to quickly like shift gears and be like, whoa, whoa shut it all down. That's not what we're doing anymore. Another part of the fascinating part of chess, right, is like having to completely alter how you're even approaching a game as the game adjusts. So fascinating stuff for sure. Um, okay, quick quick question about the Yusupov books. Mm-hmm. If you read all the Yusupov books, do you feel like you'd be like 1800, 1900, chess.com rapid? Mm. If I read every single one? All of them, yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think it's like, I I think that a, several people have said if you read all of those books, that will take you like every piece of information you need to be two thousand over the board, not even chess.com. And I, I I buy into that. The orange books are the easiest ones, yeah. And and those are a beating. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah they're not those easy. Are, those are an exercise in humility every day that I did. <laughs> did yeah. The so here's um, my question. Yeah. This is gonna be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just do all the Yusupov books then? Hmm. See, because Chessable only has two of them. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I think I think I would. But the, I think there's like there's a problem with sort of like immediacy for me. 
Mm. I'm like, well, I could wait, you know, (laughs) four or five weeks for all these Uspot books to come in, or I could, Mm -hmm. you know, wait like three months for the, for the step series to, uh, you know, go, go over in, you know, from Europe to the Americas, or I could, I could take part in Chessable's Black Friday sale and buy a course right now. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, as much as I do love Chessable, and I do, they do make physical books, actually. Like, you could buy them. Yeah. yeah. They, I, I have a couple of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so you have sure. heard of that. that they yeah, do. they're propping my laptop up right now. Um, very, very useful. <laughs> nice, um, nice, nice. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's something that that I want to do. Um, and, like, I think I, I probably do want to get some kind of physical book when I'm going over these master games, right? Like a, mm. a collection. Of, okay. of books where somebody has already said, hey, these are the ones that you should you should take a look at. Um, and I don't think Chessable does a really good job with that. And so I definitely think that that's probably something that's been lacking in my game. But I think that um, once you have some other component to your life that you're responsible for, be that a partner, uh, a child, a dog, um, you know, a, anything, it you have competing interests and it's just so much easier when I have the time to, to have something set up right for me rather than, you know, having to take my, my nice wooden board and, you know, uh, shine my pieces and, and set them up on the board and, and make sure that everything's accurate, make sure my notation is correct. Um, yeah. And honestly, man, I have small hands. I can't, I can't flip a book and move pieces. It's tough. It's hmm. okay. for, for people. Uh, I will say <laughs> I can, I can agree with a lot of this. I was, streaming uh fisher 60 memorable games and it's in descriptive notation mm. and i'm there is a lead chest study that i could just be working off but i don't want to i want i don't want to see any of the moves and i want to be thinking about them and yeah, it's a pain in the neck because half the time like occasionally i put in the wrong move because it's yep. pawn to king's rook three and i like move the wrong pawn i'm like wait what uh so yeah like it's a lot easier to just kind of have it all there and be able to step through it rather than having to set it up and deal with the problems that come yeah i i hear you for sure um one thing i haven't really heard much is over the board play it sounds like your job would be really challenging to do over the board gameplay just like the hours aren't going to match up very well do you have any thoughts about that happening in the future have you just kind of said that's just not a reality right now. Where are you at with that? Yeah, it's, I think it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about because um, a lot of the people that I look up to really regard over the board as like the serious chess or the real chess, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they say like, you know, you can you can work, you can train on a 2D board, but chess is played on a three-dimensional board and your chess.com rating is a, you know, a space where you spar with people before your over the board matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hasn't really resonated with me in the same way. I think a lot of it has to do with my schedule. I think some of it has to do with sort of those like psychological concerns that I have. Um, but I think the third thing is like, if online chess fits into my life and I find it to be gratifying and I, I'm very invested in my online rating, um, I have a hard time really trying to like contort my life around something that somebody else finds valuable when I am currently enjoying what I am getting out of the chess that I'm doing. Um, yeah, so I think off over the board answer. is... It's probably in the future. It's something that I'm, I'm going to do when my life looks different. But right now, um, I'm, I'm going to keep moving two-dimensional pieces and, uh, you know, trying to trying to hit some new peaks there. Okay. Yeah, that's a really great, healthy answer, man. You have to just, whatever brings you joy, do that, right? You're not a professional chess player. If you were a professional chess player, I'd be like, Zach, I'm just going to say this. You might want to play over the board. But if you're just a guy having fun improving at chess, yeah, do what works for you. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that as well. Um, I am one of these people who still puts a lot of emphasis myself on over the board chess, but it's really hard to do that when I can only play like once every six months. It makes like I have a tournament this next weekend coming up and there's a lot of pressure on me. Like it's all self-induced, of course, but it's like, if this is my only tournament for six months, right? And like, if I blow it or I have a psychological moment where I'm feeling that pressure in a in an extra way, it, yeah, it's just like it. 
it's just not a good idea. So I'm trying to tell myself like, it's no big thing. It's fine. But then I I'm worried I'll get over the board and like, I'll get, I'll get the psychological pressure. So I don't know. We'll see. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about coaching? It sounds like you have a pretty good handle on where you want to go, what you're doing. So does a coach fit into that at all? Or right now, are you like, no, I got this. I don't, I don't actually need a coach. You're just, you're just hitting all the, all the key points, you know, all of these sort of psychological questions that I've asked myself, should I play over the board? Should yeah. I go through the whole use of pump series? Should I get a coach? The, the answer is right now, I don't have a coach. Um, and I've definitely looked into it. Um, I've talked to people who do have coaches. They're obviously super useful. Um, but right now I'm like, well, I know that I suck at this thing. Nobody has to tell me that I suck at this. <laughs> and, and I have a plan to, to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe it makes more sense for me to keep with this vision and, and kind of keep doing that thing and try and get better at that. And then when I hit that, that brick wall and I can't get better and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Then I bring somebody else sort of in the fold and say, okay, please fix me. Like mm-hmm. what's, what's going on with my game. So right now I, I don't think a coach is sort of in my framework, but I definitely can see, you know, a couple months, maybe a year or so down the line looking at my game and saying, well, you know, I, I did these sort of six week things. I've, I've expounded the entire chessable library and I'm still 1700. So, you know, yeah. what do you, what do you have to teach me? What, what Un- do I do? Unfortunately, a coach isn't magic. <laughs> like the coach probably won't be able to be like, Whoosh, now you're 2000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely, I mean, it's, it's all work. Right. But yeah. I think like a big thing is like somebody else explaining to you a blind spot that it keeps getting in the way of that improvement. And I think that if you are looking at your games and you're saying, yeah, you know what? I really just, I don't know what's going on. Like, I think that I'm playing, I'm playing correctly. I don't care what the stupid computer says. Like these moves make sense to me. These openings make sense to me. Um, then, then you probably need a second set of eyes to improve. Or if you're at that point where you're doing those things and um, it, it doesn't seem to work and you're out of options, bringing somebody else in who says, this is what works for me, or looking at this thing that you might not see, you should, you should do this. This is a glaring point that you're not seeing. I think that's, that's where the coaches are most useful and are going to lead to those quasi magic experiences where all of a sudden, you know, you're uh, you're the blinders are off and you and you know what's going on because somebody else explained you know what was going on yeah i can agree with a lot of that um when i first started playing 20 years ago i did not have a coach and when i first came back i didn't even get a coach it wasn't really until the summer where i was like i'm gonna go hard into chess it'd be great to work with someone who can just kind of go over my games with me and like i know i'm bad at everything and i have books to fix that (laughs) so that's cool Uh, But just having a coach who can go over games, I was running into a lot of positions. I was just saving in lead chess where it'd be like, what is happening here? Mm. Um, And it's funny to look back at them now. And it's almost all just pawn breaks. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a closed opposition. You can't just go get the king. Just push the e-pawn. It's like, oh, okay. Well, three (laughs) months ago, me didn't understand pawn breaks very well. Um, So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And like right now, uh, I love working with my coach, but we're in that time where it's like schools taking off a lot of my time. We're in wildly different time zones. So it's been more challenging. And I've just kind of said like, it's okay. Right. Like if we only meet every couple of weeks, that's totally fine. And once I play this tournament, it's going to be more like, okay, now I have a pile of games. These are really what I have a coach for. He knows how I play. He knows my openings. We can go over these games together um, and I can get some real insights there. So that I'm really excited about, but I hear you. It sounds like you have a plan and you have a way to address the plan. So that's good. I, for me, one of the hardest things is coming up with that plan. Right. But yeah. it seems like you have been pretty self-reflective and able to find a good plan for yourself. I, I would counter and say, I think one of the easiest things to do is to come up with a plan, but mm, one okay. of the hardest things to do is to actually follow through with that plan. Um, when that plan gets hard. Um, I think that there's like a lot of content out there, um, not to like, just like totally uh, say that you're wrong, right? But like, I think there's a lot of content out there that says, uh, even if it's just clickbait, right? Like do these three things and you will become the next Magnus Carlson, right? Yeah. Like, there's everybody, if you give them a soapbox and 30 seconds, will tell you exactly how to improve your chess. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Nothing that they've ever said has been tested. 
Um, so really the only thing that's left is to test and figure out if that's actually what works and then to not be distracted by the next shiny piece of clickbait that somebody gives you. Um, and I think that's something that I did for a really long time, which is why I have an extensive library on Chessable is because I believed all of that sort of stuff. Like, oh yeah, like if I just buy this book, never open it, never write down any of the lines, I will become the rating that I want. Um, but like sitting down and actually saying, okay, like maybe this is going to improve my chess. I'm going to have faith in it. I'm just going to kind of, you know, to, I'm just going to trust that process. Um, I think that that's, that's been the harder thing for me is to settle in and say, okay, we're, we're doing this. We're going to learn this. And in week three, I can't tell anybody that I quit because they heard me three weeks ago say I was going to do this for six weeks. So we're going to buckle down and, and sort this out. That's kind of what I mean though. I think, I think we're saying sort of similar things where it's mm -hmm. like, for me, yeah, you can make a plan, but it was, it's just so hard to me without an authority figure sure. who, who quote knows yeah. to be confident that whatever you plan you make is That's good bad. when sure. you're bad at everything, right? Like if yeah. I could be like, no, no, I know I'm great at all these things. I'm only bad at these two. <laughs> yeah. The plan's easy. Just do those two. Right. But when it's like, I'm kind of bad at everything, mm why am I choosing this over this when I really yeah. need to cover everything? That's where it gets tricky for me. I and yeah. I got to admit, I'm really bad. Like you, it sounds like you're amazing at being like, I got six weeks, I'm doing this. So like, I was like, I'm going to do end games for all of November. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but then I signed up for this tournament and I was like, Ooh, you know what? Um, I should brush up on openings before the tournament. That's what everyone says. Look at your opening lines. And I started doing that. And then I was like, you know, it turns out when I play the Queen's Gambit declined, I just randomly make moves. I don't <laughs> actually know anything. So maybe I should learn the opening that I'm playing. That and like sense. you said, learn the plans. And so I've been doing that. But then in the back of my mind, it's going, hello, this is endgame month. What yeah. you doing? So I don't I know. Think, I just, I'm struggling, Zach. I think some of it has to do with like, um, I think one like mindset thing that like I really try and focus on is like, this is not the last thing. This is just the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I recognize that I'm bad at everything. And so eventually these six week plans are just going to have to encompass everything. Right. Um, and so like prioritizing one thing, like, yes, it might lead to sort of like a short term um, ratings jump, or like, I might sort of like unlock this like immediate secret potential, but you know, I'd, I'd really like to believe that I'm going to be playing chess for five, 10 forever years. Um, and if you sort of just keep working at something, then you're kind of going to get better at that thing. And so it doesn't necessarily matter like what order you're doing it in. And like, there is probably a secret sauce that somebody could come up with. They had a bunch of time, but like for now, I'm just going to do this one thing and then I'm going to do another thing. And, and eventually maybe I'll have enough tools to say, I'm actually kind of good at this one thing and bad at everything else. Nice. That would be a great feeling, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Funny, 20 years ago, when I had a, a lot of ratings jump, one of my biggest ratings jumps came after I switched to the King's Indian attack for white. Mm. And I think the reason was because I had been kind of messing around with the Italian game and the Roy Lopez, but I didn't really understand the plans. And those are very complicated, nuanced openings. Mm -hmm. And with the King's Indian attack, especially against like other 1500s who had no idea what was even happening, it was like I had this very basic plan and they had no plan. Yeah. And so it was just like that simple little thing helped quite a bit, which is kind of funny because like I don't think many people would be like, you know what the answer to chess improvement is? The King's Indian attack. <laughs> uh, no, but it was sure. interesting. Yeah, I do think, I mean, um, we haven't really talked about openings and that was um, something that like I, I said, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about them, but like, that is a hundred percent. My approach to the opening is I'm going to play this thing. It's going to have this plan. If that plan doesn't work, it's going to have this backup plan. If those two plans don't work, you beat me. Um, <laughs> and like, that's, that's a hundred percent how I like think about my games, how I like analyze my games. And um, I think that that is like really important is like, yeah, there are some moves that I'm going to mess up, but they're all sort of towards this plan. Um, and that, normally makes those moves not as bad as like some of the absolute howlers I would make uh, thinking that I was like, you know, studying the book lines of my chessable course and they were absolutely completely wrong. Um, uh -huh. I do think like, you know, openings are tough. 
you know, like the razor sharp, crazy positions that some people are advocating for in order to beat the like supercomputers that run our lives. Um, mm -hmm. those, those are tough. And I think sometimes what you need is to say like, yeah, you know what? Um, I could do this and I could, you know, like we opened the episode, right? I could be excellent in this opening. And then on move 15, I have no idea what's going on. My plan is I'm going to play some suboptimal moves in the first 15 moves that build this plan. And hopefully that's the plan that works out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, not having to stress about that has definitely opened up a lot more time for me to say, yeah, I, I don't have to spend six weeks on my openings. I don't have to spend time focusing on this thing. Um, but I know that like for some people, my friend, he's like, I love studying openings. Openings are the best. Openings are the future. Openings are the, the past. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do only openings and that's all I care about. Oh, wow. And like when I lose my games, it's because I, I messed up in the opening and I put this piece in the wrong square. I'm like, sure, man. Like if that works for you and you're happy, that, that works for uh. you. The other nice thing about playing suboptimal moves is you take your opponents out of their book lines mm. really fast. Yep. They're like, yeah, um, Zach, that was the <laughs> wrong move. And you're like, okay, beat me. And they're like, no, no, you don't understand, Zach. I only know that was the wrong move. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. Yep. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of making suboptimal moves. When I'm playing against D4, I, I give up my B pawn and my A pawn for nothing. Uh, and I, then when I'm playing, you know, as, as white, I'm playing the Trumpowski and I'm, I'm giving up my Bishop for nothing. Uh, mm. and you know, somewhere there's a 2,500 just grimacing at everything that I'm doing, but you know, it works. So I feel like your chess handle, your, your, uh, Twitter handle should now be suboptimal moves. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think that would be a really fun, like persona to take yeah. on. <laughs> i'll look into it I'll, yeah okay well um well well mr suboptimal moves it's been <laughs> a really fun conversation before we go i have one final question for you sure what are your chess goals do you have ratings mm. goals are they just working hard goals what are you hoping to accomplish here so i think um as much as i say like oh yeah ratings don't matter trust the process i'd i'd love to have a two at the start of my mm. my rating i'd love to be 2000 on chess.com, right, where it matters, where there's people aren't going to say, oh, yeah, well, that's 300 points less than what you actually are. Um, or I'd love to be 2300 on Bleach Chess. So people could say, hey, you're, you know, you are 2000 on chess.com. You just subtract 300 points. So I think, I think there is something alluring about that number that I'd love to get to. Um, but outside of that, I'd, I'd really just like to play more games of chess where I look back at the game and go, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty satisfied with that. There's not anything that I'm, I'm too disappointed in. And I think that's what being a 2000 rated player looks like for me is playing a game and not going, yeah, no, I, I really messed up a lot of that stuff. Um, and so I think that's, that's where I'd like to be. That's, that's the number that I would like to signify the kind of chess that I, I play. Nice. That seems like a, a healthy approach. And do you have a time frame you're looking at? I heard you, I heard you throw out numbers like 10, 15 years earlier. Um, uh, would you be satisfied taking 15 years to reach 2000? No, that would be, I think that might be depressing. I think I would be pretty sad about that, um, to be yeah. honest. I, I don't know how much optimism I could I could maintain after I was trying to do something for a decade only to fail at it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think maybe I'd check, my, check back in in five years. That's, that's about as long as I can see out to really wanting to keep doing that. But um, ideally, I would love it to come tomorrow. Um, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I think <laughs> if you keep making idea. those suboptimal moves, you'll be 2,000 yeah. at any moment. Um, I guess the last thing is, has your card game experience like affected at all how quickly you would like results? Because mm. I know for myself, card game results have come really fast in every game I've played. I haven't reached like world champion status, but in any game I play, I reach legendary like the first month or yeah. master, whatever that top tier is, mm -hmm. I'm immediately reaching it. And, and I have to kind of push that out of my mind when I think about chess improvement. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And um, I, one, I really appreciate the sick brags, like very cool. Uh, <laughs> two, I think um, one thing that was like really important for me when I was playing full time was recognizing that there was another tournament next week or even the next day, right? Like if I was playing a Saturday and a Sunday and saying like, yeah, well, uh, I didn't do so hot today. Um, so the next one is going to be better because hopefully I learned something, right? Like, I mean, every, I don't know if it was Vichy or like who, who said it, I think a bunch of people have said it, but like you either win or you learn. Um, and so for me, I've tried really hard to fight that. Like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm either going to win or I'm going to be upset because I did like nothing happen. Sort of treating everything as sort of like a holistic 
way of, of bringing stuff back. Um, but it's, I mean, if I talk about, oh yeah, I'm fighting that urge, it's definitely something, at least in the back of my mind, I'm unconsciously thinking like, yeah, why isn't this coming faster, right? Like, why don't I get this? Why don't I, I figure this sort of thing out? So I think in some ways um, playing full-time helped me um, really fix that mindset. But I also think that being somebody who plays lots of card games and likes to play things that um, aren't as complicated as chess and, and seeing some success in those is definitely um, priming me to feel like I'm going to be successful at another point. So, yeah, no, I think that's a really good insight. Yeah. It's also, I think something I've enjoyed more about chess is hmm. I just know that this is an unscalable mountain and I'll never be the best. And I'm just happy with improvement. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the card games, especially not being a magic player as much, there aren't as many resources to get good. Yeah. Right. So it's like, there's no study part. It's just playing the game and winning or losing. Yeah. And so I didn't feel like you either win or you learn. It felt like you either win or someone punched you in the stomach. <laughs> um, at least with chess, it, when I do lose, it's like, okay, let's look at it. Let's go yeah. over the game. Why did I lose? I don't have a record of the card game of why I lost. I just know mm-hmm. like that. And this is, this is also the problem with card games. It often is like, they got lucky, right? Like it's sure. easy to tell yourself, yeah, why did I, was, I lose? That's- that's they the flipped up that card, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not even just that sometimes they are lucky, but that you always have the out of telling yourself. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And the human mind is so good at saying that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I well, remember, it's, it's like, good preservation, you know? Like if definitely. it's somebody else's fault, then it's not a me thing. And uh-huh. I can go back to like focusing on like getting my food, my eight hours of sleep. I don't have to worry uh-huh. about like, you know, why I decided to, to tap these lands and they obviously drew like, you know, the card that I can't beat because of that. Yeah, exactly. And it's because they drew that card. It's not because I made the wrong decision. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yep. Well, Zach, thanks so much for the great conversation. It was a lot of fun for me uh, reminiscing a bit about card games, making that transition to chess. I know I'm really happy. I made the transition. How about you? Are you happy with this decision? Yeah, well, I mean, my life started with chess, and then I took a took a beat to play some card games, and now I'm back with chess, and I think I'm on the right path. I definitely right. think chess is more fun, um, it's more enjoyable, and uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot more to learn, and so if you're interested in learning, I definitely think picking up chess is, is probably better than picking up a card game. If you're interested in, you know, pub stomping some people and, uh, you know, some immediate gratification, I would strongly encourage you to play whatever flavor of the week card game um, somebody has decided to print yeah there's a lot of them every week um well where can people contact you zach if they want to hear more about your journey and get some tips from you let's see so um on twitter i'm mtg zach um so you can you can message me there um and then yeah if you want to i'm also in the um chess punks dojo or uh discord and I'm, i'm in the chess dojo discord as well so love talking to people there um talking about like finding training partners, what books we're, we're buying, but not reading any of that stuff. Happy to happy to have a conversation um, with anybody about chess. Nice. And I do recommend the chess dojo discord, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, I was in there just the other day and I was like, Hey, all I've been playing the queen's gambit decline. What do you guys think? I was thinking about trying to play something a little more aggressive and testing. We had some good conversations about the King's Indian defense and how, uh, as long as you're willing to get crushed by higher level players, you should play it. It's fun. So it was a good conversation. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, well, if you want to contact me, you can contact me at Dr. Skull on Twitter. Um, you can check me out on Twitch streaming some Fisher 60 memorable games. Currently, I have this new bizarre handle for some reason. I switched it to Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes. This is a bad choice. I did it like two in the morning. It was a terrible decision. It's okay. It's all right. I'll live with it. And uh, for those of you out there, uh, I hope you have a great journey this week. I hope it is full of rating gains and you get that magical two in front if that's what you're going for. And if not, if it doesn't come, don't worry. It's a journey. We can all learn from our losses and tune in next week. And maybe you'll hear some more information that will help you uh, on your way. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.